Hello and welcome back to Locked On Socks. I'm Herb Lawrence. That is Chris Tannehill. Hi, Herb. Hi, Jim Tomey. Okay, now get out of my basement and go back into the boiler room. Yeah. Put you back on mothballs. Thank you once again, gentlemen, Jim. I mean, he's coming down here the last, what, four episodes? Did yeah, you do that? I told him to make himself at home. You know, I got I got plenty of uh, of long snapper IPA in the fridge down here, you know. He was very happy with us naming the episode after him. Very, very happy. Oh, I mean, no doubt, yeah. This episode, number 31, will be hard to name a player oh no it won't be i've got two guys in mind right now for myself and three two one ben davis wow <laughs> him of the bunting ben davis i have a ben davis memory that we're just going to get out of the way real quick before i get to my official nomination that's like the pro football hall of fame i'm gonna stand up and make my case for who the episode should be named after mm -hmm. but august 8th let me take you back august 8th 2004 I take my dad to the game for his birthday i think it was like the first time where i got tickets and you know i paid and to, to bring the old man to the game and it was white Sox and indians we got we talked about that 04 white Sox team in the last episode um, you know, explosive team. They made that trade midway through the year to bring Freddie Garcia. Sweaty Freddie came from the Mariners along with Ben Davis, the catcher, for Miguel Olivo and Jeremy Reed, I think. Anyway, that so, sounds right. Yeah, so Sox and Indians, tight game. I think a, a young Victor Martinez hit a home run for the Indians that game. That'll shock you to, to know that Victor <laughs> Martinez hit a home run off the White Sox uh, late in the ball game. <laughs> but And Chris L. wasn't even on the team yet. Right, yeah. So... Ben Davis comes up to the, to the plate late in the game. Timo Perez on first base. And this is one of my favorite memories of going to a game of, of non-consequence, like just a regular season game, going to a game, and then one of my favorite hawk calls uh, of all time. And that'll bring up Ben Davis. Ball hit hard into the gap. Come on, Timo. Come on, Timo. Come on, Timo. Come on, Timo. Here's the throw. See. And the Sox win it, three to two on the base hit by Ben Davis. Timo just chug, chug, chugging along, and just getting that hand on the plate. Nice slide off to the side. I love Timo Perez. I always have, and always will. Remember the 05 championship team, but that was one of the great days uh, at the old ball yard with with my with my dad and I. But who are you thinking for 31? Two guys with the same name, Hoyt. One okay. is Hoyt Wilhelm. The other one is Lamar Hoyt. All right. So I don't know. Uh, Hoyt Wilhelm is a Hall of Famer. But Lamar Hoyt has, as we discussed in episode, I think, number 29, which is named after Black Jack McDowell, one of the three White Sox pitchers that have won 
a Cy Young Award. I'm going to spin you a yarn about Lamar Hoyt and make my case, just as far as at least Lamar Hoyt being the most interesting name to be uh, for number 31 in the podcast. So, as you mentioned, Lamar Hoyt, 1983 Cy Young Award winner uh, for the winning ugly team. Um, but he wasn't just a one-year wonder. 1982, he led the American League in wins with 19, okay, which is kind of crazy to me with all the great pitchers in the American League at that time. But he he led the AL in wins. Um, in 1983, in the ALCS against the Orioles, the Sox won one game. It was game one on the road in Baltimore. Lamar Hoyt pitches a one-run complete game uh, in game one. Sox didn't win uh, a game after that. But – Lamar Hoyt's story doesn't begin there, okay? Mm-hmm. So he had some legal problems. He's got something in common with another uh, Sox hurler uh, of prominence uh, that we named a podcast episode after. I think we named it after Esteban Loiza. But yes. uh, as far as uh, as far as drugs go, now this mm. now Lamar Hoyt was a kingpin like Esteban uh, is allegedly. Um, so here's what happened leading up to uh, Lamar Hoyt's brush up with drugs. So. I I talked about the game one of the ALCS in 83. Lamar Hoyt was what they call a sleep addict. I didn't know this was a thing until today. I've heard people who've had, you know, sleep issues, be it sleep apnea, whatever, insomnia, uh, narcolepsy, things like that. But apparently the sleep addict is when someone, you know, can't get sleep like you're supposed to, and they will do anything to get it. And I read before game one of this 83 ALCS, before he pitches this dominant game, he didn't sleep a wink. And if you look at pictures of Lamar Hoyt and look at videos of interviews, he's always got bags under his eyes, always looking scruffy, looking grimy. Apparently, this guy never slept. So, 85, I'm going to make my case also why he could be one of the most important players in White Sox history. So, 85, he's traded to the San Diego Padres for... Ozzyian. That's right. Don't forget Luis Salazar's in that deal also. <laughs> How could you? So he's traded to the Padres in 85, kind of wears out his welcome on the south side. Doesn't have a year nearly as good as 83 or 82. So 85, he's an all-star with the Padres. He's the MVP of an all-star game. Returns to form, but then he got he begins to have shoulder issues. So he tears the rotator cuff, but the doctors in San Diego, they don't diagnose the rotator cuff. Or at least back then, it was like, well, uh, how about you just put some ice on it and then come back uh, in, in five days and see. But so like they basically said, hey, it's either go out there and pitch through the pain or have surgery and possibly end your career. They they couldn't just repair a rotator cuff back in the day like they can now. So you you pile all this together with the sleep issues and he's pitching through pain. So what does Lamar Hoyt do? He begins to self-medicate, right? So... In February of 86, Lamar Hoyt was busted trying to sneak the Medijuana, Valium, and Quaaludes over the uh, U.S. border from Mexico. It's right, this is right down in San Diego there. I'm sure you know uh, yeah. the, the area. where It's right there. Um, San Ysidro. Yes, that's exactly where it was. So a week goes by. He gets served with divorce papers. Then he gets busted again. So October 86, once again, he tried to cross the border in San Diego with mm. 500 pills stuffed in his pants and <laughs> socks. Uh, through a plea bargain, the charges were reduced to misdemeanors and he was sentenced to 45 days at a federal pound me in the ass prison. Thank you, office space. Um, <laughs> plus five years supervised probation and a $5,000 fine. And he also had to forfeit his Porsche uh, because, you know, I'm sure he had to pay off some debts uh, to the government, things like that. So in 87, Lamar Hoyt is suspended from baseball. Uh 
you know, this was back then when, you know, we were a little less lenient, less tolerant of, you know, minor drug, you know, crimes like, like we are now. This is back then in baseball. You're talking about your Steve Howes and you know, they came down hard if, if you had drug issues. So an arbitrator comes in and says that Lamar Hoyne is not uh, a drug abuser, but he's a medication misuser. Okay. So he's trying to deal with the shoulder injury by self-medicating because the doctors misdiagnosed him. And so, and all of a sudden he's got issues with self-medication, right? So then December 87 cops found weed and Coke in Lamar Hoyt's home. They sentenced him to a year in prison and he served seven months. So quite the journey for Lamar Hoyt, uh, one of the best pitchers in the early eighties to that. I know the Sox welcomed him back years later. Eventually he got on the right track, but they found out that basically he was just, he was trying to get the pills wherever he could get them. And that was really the only place you can get them back then was in Mexico. So yeah, I just I thought that was weird. The things that you find when you're researching for this thing, I'm just like, oh, Lamar Hoyt, that's a guy you heard of. You know he's on the division winners of 83, winning ugly team, but you don't know really much behind it. So there you go, making my case for number 31 episode of Lockdown Sox to be the Lamar Hoyt episode. He's in because I just looked at um, Hoyt Wilhelm's uh, stats. While a Hall of Famer and while he pitched excellently with the White Sox, he didn't start his White Sox career until he was like 39, 40 years old. And he pitched six years with them. I mean, the White Sox really didn't do anything during his time. And so I don't know if there's a guy who watched the Hoyt Wilhelm White Sox career is going to be going to the table for him. I was not watching Lamar Hoyt in the 83 winning ugly Sox. I've only seen tapes of it. But the fact that he did bring home a division winner and did win their game there in Baltimore with a complete game. And then got traded for one of the best White Sox of all time, Ozzie Guillen. Lamar Hoyt will get the, t- the, the nod tonight. Yes. I mean, right. the other one was only other one I thought was uh, pertinent was Dwayne Weiss. Yes. <laughs> Center fielder Weiss. Yeah. He Weiss. had a great catch in the Burley Perfect game. We'll never forget. Uh, but he's got uh, he's got a sign that says the catch out there in the outfield, the guaranteed right field. That, that's enough. That's more than enough. You're not going to get a locked on Sox named after you just for that. That's the only thing he's done in his career. I mean, no, he had a home run in that uh, <laughs> Again, 2018. Game. You got a home run from Dwayne Wise in a playoff game, and you lost that game and lost the series, White Sox. That, that's how bad it's been in recent vintage. Uh, I got to pay off my tease from the last episode. Uh, the Sox beat the Cubs. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turkle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. Quick bullet points on that one. I win the bet with my neighbor. He's got to mow my lawn for the next 10 years. So enjoy it with your 75-year-old ass mowing my lawn in the hot summer sun for the next decade, if you make it that long, neighbor. Oh, that's going to be a good time. You should have him give him Double some, or nothing? Oh, yeah. And, then, like, if you win, he has to do it with scissors. And then if you win, you just just zero. There's Zero's people around out. here that do it with scissors. I see those people like, yo, these people are on a whole different level, man. I'll be there someday. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting basic enough. But quick bullet points from that. Sox-Cubs, the 6-3 to three thrashing of the Cubs uh, in, in – uh, and where, where Sloan did, Park, uh, Sloan Park, yeah, um, Mesa in Mesa. Giolito, one innings pitched, one strikeout. It was nice to see him take the mound finally after uh, after a bit of a hiatus with his uh, chest injury. Yohan Moncada, fresh off the new paper, three hits against the Cubs. Uh, Luis Robert had an RBI double, I think it was, um, driving into Eloy early in that ball game. And Carson Fulmer continues to have a decent spring, one innings pitched. 
zero runs allowed in that game to the Cubs. Um, yeah, so that's that. It was good to see Giolito back out there. Uh, no, no ill effects afterwards. So looking forward to see what he does in his next start, how long he'll go. Uh, a couple games in action today before we get to the mailbag. White Sox and the Royals got after it today. Well, I just want to walk a time plan. And the White Sox, they handled business. They, first of all, they had a split squad today. Uh, they played the Royals in Glendale, and they played the Padres in – quick, Herbie, where do the Padres play their spring ball? I have it written down here somewhere. I forgot. I don't never think about why. Why leave San Diego? Really? Exactly. <laughs> we could just travel to San Diego for those road games if you wanted to. If your other team, they're in Peoria. Oh yes, the beautiful city of Peoria. So the Sox beat the Royals today, five to four. Zach Collins with a two-run home run in that game. Abreu and Moncada with RBIs as well. Uh, not many names of consequence uh, toting the rubber in that ball game today, but they beat the Royals five to four. But then in Peoria, the Sox shut out the Padres six to nothing. Ronaldo Lopez with another solid outing goes four and a third, allows just five hits, no earned runs, and five Ks. Zach Birdie also with a scoreless inning in that game. Again, I'm not trying to extrapolate too much out of these spring outings, but there are things to look for, positive signs uh, everywhere you look. Cheslor Cuthbert, he you know should have been on uh, in Glendale against his former team. He had his revenge game against a different team. Chesler had two home runs today against the Padres. Um, and also, Yasmani Grandal back in action finally this week. Um, I was going to get to the bad part of him in that Cubs game. He went over two, didn't look particularly good doing it. But then he comes through today with an RBI double against the Padres. Uh, and there was one interesting thing that happened in that ball game, and if it's a running theme with this podcast, if you're squirming for Yerman out there. So Yermin Mercedes comes in the ball game in the seventh inning. He's he's he comes in for Nomar Mazara, and this is interesting to me because this is likely a scenario. If he's that twenty-six man, mm-hmm. you'll probably see this over the course of the year. So out goes Nomar Mazara. They weren't even playing matchups. You know, the the uh, Padres were just kind of getting their guys some work, so it wasn't a lefty righty thing. It wasn't for matchup sake, but they did lift Mazara for Yermin, and here's what he did. And the first pitch from Emilio is hit in the air out to left field, pretty well struck. Almonte is going back at the wall. He looks up, and it's going to go a home run. A two-run homer in the pinch for Yermin Mercedes here in the seventh inning. And now a 6-0 White Sox lead. And he just, he tomahawked this ball. This ball was chest high, and he got under it and just crushed it to left field. And it's one of those things you love to see. Guys against velocity, he comes in, turns it around, especially the high stuff. So, Yermin looking good, man. Looking good for a guy, Yermin. Good to hear my guy Jesse Agler right there. On the uh, intercom station out there, okay. the ninety-seven-three, uh, the fan uh, in San Diego, good guy Jesse, and uh, of course Uncle Teddy, Ted Leitner, yeah, do the radio games out there for San Diego Padres. But yeah, your mean just continues to do your mean things, and like you were saying, that is the scenario I think I brought up. Like you got a guy at the end of the game that needs to get a bat onto the ball and put it in power, uh, put some play. And has some power with it. Your mean for Nomar Mazzaro will be the perfect thing to have as a 26-man replacement. You know the kid knows how to hit. And you know he can come off the bench and just do those type of things. He doesn't need all this extra uh, conditioning, extra at-bats. And he's not a highly touted prospect. You got him in a Rule 5 draft, and all he's done in the minors is hit. He's a 27-year-old guy now. He's ready to play in the major leagues. And if that's just coming off the bench and giving you a good at-bats, 
do it. If that means spelling somebody from time to time at the catcher position, I wouldn't do it all the time, but maybe once every month, maybe, and he'll be solid for it. And I will give him credit for this because he's not in a situation where Luis Robertson, where you're seeing him play every game. This guy's getting limited playing time in the spring, and he's making the most of his opportunities. You'd love to see it from a guy like that, especially when that's going to be his role if he makes the team. Late in the ball game, like you just said, you know you won't have time to, to really get loose like you want to. You just get up there, grab a bat. We need a hit late, and hopefully you know, we need a home run late. But, yeah, man, things are looking good for your mean Mercedes, and things looking good for Carson Fulmer. I think he's going to make the team. He's having a nice steady spring, no real major hiccups to speak of, and it's great to see Zach Birdie there. Uh, getting a scoreless inning there too, and I don't think he's surrendered uh, anything this this spring. So you love to see it. You know that would be one thing too. I think if the Sox are going to surprise anyone, to have some young power arms uh, in, out of the bullpen, you know, to shorten these ball games because I'm worried about Colome. Alex Colome has not had a particularly good spring. So if they can have some uh, other options, maybe slide Bummer down to the closer role and have guys like Birdie or Fulmer, you know, be your, you know, six, mm, seven, nope. you know, no, 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 no good. No Fulmer. No. Birdie, yes. Okay. Well, Fulmer's going to be on the team whether you like I it or not. I know he's going to be on the team. <laughs> I want to use him when the Sox are up by nine or down by nine. Okay, yeah. Get those innings in. I don't trust him. I I congratulate him for finding something maybe. He went to driveline last year. We thought it was going to be the breakthrough that he needed. It wasn't. It was terrible. He actually got worse by going to driveline. I think he could sue driveline if he wanted to. Yeah. So if this soft season, he didn't talk about it. No one did their their piece, their puff pieces on. <laughs> Carson Fulmer's in the best shape of his life, and he went and tinkered with his mechanics, and now he's this guy type of guy. If he just did something, fine. I don't trust him as yet. He has to do at least 20 innings before I'm like, okay. That guy could be in our game when the stuff is on the line. Same thing with Kelvin Herrera. Ugh. Yeah, we're gonna be a, trusting him this year too. Yeah, so that's why it's good to have some other options. Possibly, you know, your Zach Birdies of the world coming in and and giving you at least something else to, to look for. You know, like you know, fresh arm, some velocity. I think that would be good. So we'll have to wait and see how it shakes out. Uh, I think Carson Fulmer will be on the team. You know, out of options, but hopefully he can keep it up and keep this positive momentum going into the regular season. All right. Let's get into the bag. Time for the mailbag. Sh- we got a short bag this week. Uh, first one, a little follow-up from last week's conversation when I said the one thing I'd like to see more uh, at the ballpark is ginger ale options. Yes. I'm a big ginger ale guy. So we had a, a couple people really re- responded uh, to this one. Uh, Andy says, this is uh, Andy on Twitter, at BiggerAK. Andy says, a little follow-up on the ginger ale at the rate. I've had Jameson and ginger ales at the bar on the first baseline. I'm sure they would pour a straight ginger ale to soothe that tummy ache. <laughs> Again, it's, it's not always a tummy ache. I just, it's my preferred carbonated beverage, okay, Andy? But I was trying to look at the, I didn't. I had no idea. Like I always knew that there was that, the. I don't know if it's the Xfinity bar. I'm assuming that's the one he's talking about. It's more close to right field than first base, but I think that's the one he's talking about. That's my favorite drink right there, Jameson and ginger ale. My favorite alcoholic beverage. Like I'm not a huge beer guy anymore, but I'm going for that. I I, I don't know why it never occurred to me, but I think that's the first stop I'm making on opening day is getting a Jamie, Jamie and ginger at that bar there. So thank you, Andy. I think it's because we drink beer mostly when we go to games. I'd never thought of having a cocktail at a baseball game. I just think like 
It's complicated already. It's going to cost a lot of money. If I already I'm, say you got to be like a millionaire to get drunk at a baseball game. Oh so and like, you know, that, that's at least off beer, you know? So yeah, it, it, it would be an interesting option. I think we, we change it up and it's, it's, it's a, at the end of the rebuild, man, let's start changing it up and, you know, do something different this year. And then we had another one, Brian Malone uh, at I drink Budweiser on Twitter. He says, I've had the JMO and ginger ale slushy at the guaranteed rate club. Excellent. Oh my goodness! I don't even know where the guaranteed rate club is. Is it that the the that's, suite that's that's on the one hundred level? It's right. It's where the media used to be, right on. Okay. So it's like the hundred level, and then right above it, it's like the two hundred level. So it's it's on par with the two hundred level suites, right behind home plate. Um, that sounds amazing. Great. If you ever did any um, remotes with Ranji, it used it not. I forgot what it was called back then. The Jim Beam Club. Yeah, it used to be called the Jim Beam yeah, Club. Okay. Yeah, that's where it was. So So I'll never get in there. Exactly. And Ron's <laughs> like, No, no box. You can't come this weekend. God, those they are don't the, really like you. Those 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 are the best. Like, you know, you'd you'd go down there on a Friday night to the Jim Beam Club. They'd have the uh the Levy brothers, you know, with the with the fresh the fresh carving station, the best food that you can ask for at a ball game. You'd bring a bring a plate up to Ranji's booth. You know, you'd have Bill Melton waiting there. Where the, where where'd you get that? And you'd have Moose scouring up there and doing his thing. Oh, it was the glory days of being a score producer, enjoying his banana. His, uh, <laughs> I got my banana split. Yeah, always uh, some ice cream before he left the ballpark. Like uh, like six seven innings, and he's ghost. He's like me. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I do things now. Like get my ice cream and you know eat it on the way to the car. <laughs> But I think things are going to change this year. I think I'm going to be sticking around for the duration uh, of the games in their entirety. So, so you can listen to Sweet Home Chicago, which is a terrible song, by the way. Ideally, Ugh, yeah. I hate that song. And they play it at Sloan Park, too, for yeah. the Cubs, which is like, come on, stop and they, co-opting. And they play that for Cubs games after they played the worst song, uh, Go Cubs Go. <laughs> oh, it's a horrible song. <laughs> like, when I'm at a Cubs game or when I'm doing the Cubs game on the score, I'm like, I just want to drown out that bullshit song. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't give a damn about Steve Goodman. Rest in peace. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So thank you for the recommendation about the Jameson and Ginger Ale slushy. I'm going to try to get in there. I'm going to have to sneak into the uh, Guaranteed Rate Club and have one of those. That that would hit the spot on a, on a hot summer night. A uh, couple emails this week to get to. Jeffrey asks us this hey guys big fan of the podcast and happy you guys have it going just before the upcoming season i'm a lifelong white Sox fan for just over 30 years and have had only two jerseys home black pinstripe burley excellent choice even though burley never wore the white pinstripe ever except on opening day so it's ceremonial i suppose uh and the road gray scott Pitsetnik with the world series patch mm-hmm. all right do you guys have any advice for buying a new jersey with so many new young players? Are pitchers riskier than positional players, or does it all kind of depend? Hmm. That's a good question from Jeffrey. Thank you for hitting us up. I'm not a huge jersey guy anymore. Um, actually, uh, Mike Vrabel just recently said if you're a grown man, you shouldn't wear jerseys at all, which I don't necessarily subscribe to. I, I kind of get it as you get older, you age out of them. But my personal stance on jerseys, and I'll get to which player I would recommend in a second. My stance on jerseys is as long as you're still younger than the guy uh, who, whose name's on your back. Like, for example, I, I've got two or three, two that I wear a majority of the time. I've got my 1994 Frank Thomas jersey. It doesn't even have his name on it because back then they didn't have the names on it. So it's just the home white pinstripe 35 on it. It's by far my favorite jersey. 
to wear, uh, except, you know, I spill a lotus juice all over it all the time. And then I have my road gray World Series patch Juan Uribe jersey, which is when I wear that to the old guard, I get stopped a bunch. Then people know it's me. That's like, that, I might as well be wearing a, a jersey with my own name on the back, as you do. I know that's your, your stance on jerseys. Yes. I mean, that's just my personal one, and I put it on everybody else. You you want to do that? Go ahead. Yeah, don't yucky yum. Yeah, I mean, forget it. I mean, I don't like it necessarily, especially when it's not like you said with the Frank Thomas one. Like, if you were to put Frank Thomas's name on that jersey, like I see so many Yankee fans doing. Oh, God. I'll be like, what the hell? This Ruth, is- number three. Okay, yeah, we get it. We First get of it. all, they didn't wear the name on it, and we all know who Yankees number three is. Yeah, Mantle, seven. I, <laughs> yes, you're a Yankee fan. I understand. You're supposed to know these things. Um, but uh, I would say. I wonder hmm. if that's an MLBPA thing. Now that I think about it, I wonder if because they have the name, because other players wore the number for you know X amount of years, I wonder if it's because they have the name on the back of the jersey of the Yankees name, the jersey, I wonder if those families get royalties from that, and that's why they do it. If that if that's I mean, the case, that, I'm cool with that. That could be the – I mean, that's the only acceptable reason <laughs> yeah. to have. Other than that, it looks ridiculous. Yeah, it's just like – like, are you a Yankee fan? Like, that is part of your. That's why you're the Yankees. That's you have the jersey, the beautiful pinstripes, and the number and the NY. That's it. It's been forever. And you only have the names on the back of a player's weekend uniform, and that's it. So yeah, I I I gotta poo poo people who have those type of uh, names on the back of a jersey that are not supposed to be there. But if you're gonna be going out for a jersey yourself. I would definitely stay away from pitchers. Yeah. Volatility and arms and from year to year being good. I would solidly go after a Luis Robert one or your Moncada. Yeah, Moncada is my choice, you know, especially after the new contract. No better time to swoop in. And, and buy a Yohan Moncada jersey. I, I like the, the just aesthetically the way Moncada ten looks. Uh, you don't have a black jersey in your uh, in your repertoire yet. I'd go with Moncada black. Yeah, that, that, that'll work, I think. I think that's the safest bet. I think he's going to be the best overall player. He's going to be the face of this new era of the White Sox. Tim Anderson would be a good call as well, but if I, but personal preference, I think I'd go Yohan Moncada because you can get the most uh, most life out of it, I think. Yeah, the single number with the longer name doesn't yeah. look good on yeah, the Yeah, Moncada 10 looks real. Like That looks like a legit jersey it looks, right there. It looks balanced. <laughs> yeah. It's like the two numbers and the name is not that far apart. Um, I would go with Luis Robert. 88's okay. a nice 8 and 8. Then Robert, it's a common name too. If you're, you know, you can give it to a friend and say, hey, man, I've been thinking about you. I remember that time we were in Cancun in 88, and here it is. <laughs> Here's our jersey. Good job. Um, but I think he, as we said in a couple of episodes, or I've been hearing that he will be the best of all these players. Yeah, I think so too. But, like, you know, I, even though I just told the guy to get a Moncada jersey, because I think he's going to be like the most well known player. And I think when you look back at this, this chapter of Sox history, it's, you're going to think Moncada first rather than Robert, even though I think Robert has the potential to be a better player. But speaking of the 88, it kind of looks like a football football jersey, uh, definitely a football number. I think Michael Irvin every time, the playmaker, maybe that's what we'll call, you know, because since there's such a big pushback of calling Luis Robert Lubob, maybe we'll call him the playmaker. <laughs> I think I think we're going to have to co-opt that 88. <laughs> but I don't know if you remember that old Saturday Night Live skit with Tim Meadows where he wore 
a, a football jersey that said Hawaii 88. And you're just like, yeah, I got this in Hawaii in 88. <laughs> like, yeah, we get <laughs> it. I just ran, just ran, these random SNL things that pop in my head at times. But Jeff also says, you know, congratulations to your dad. He, you know, my dad just retired as well. And he said his gift for his dad was a custom number 15 home red pinstripe Dick Allen jersey. Wow, that's a beaut right there. And he said he almost made the fatal mistake of getting Allen on the back, but then quickly remembered that they didn't have names on the back. Of Look at, at my man. Time. Yeah, way to go. Way to be, Jeff. Jeff from WGN Television, thank you for checking us out on the Locked on Sox podcast. Moving on, let's dig a little deeper down in the bag here. Um, we have one from Chris who asks, uh, he says this, big fan, excited for the season on the south side for the first time in a decade. My question is this. Oh, how do you feel about Kyle Schwarber taking a ticky-tack hit by pitch against our boys on Friday? In the regular season, get on base any way you can, sure. But in spring training, if that ball doesn't catch meat, get back in there and swing the bat. Interested to hear your thoughts. Playoffs or die, bitches. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Teresa Keichel, as well. Playoffs <laughs> or die, bitches. All right, Chris. I went back and I watched it. I, I, I slowed it down. It was like the Bruder film. I wanted to see this hit by pitch again and again. It was definitely ticky tack, you know. But what are you gonna do? The you know we got to be better than this. So this seems real petty. This seems like a petty Cub Sox thing that we're gonna have to let go of, especially in games that don't matter. I know it's spring training for everyone, and everyone's revving up to the real thing. And this is how you get your Cubs hatred going. More power to you. God bless. But uh, yeah, what's Kyle Schwarber supposed to do? Say no, I don't want to go to first base. You take your base if it's given to you. Exactly. And this is spring training. You're training yourself for what you're gonna do in the regular season. So treat these games as such i would you know not you know have a problem with kyle schwarber getting hit with a pitch and taking his base it's fine he these people don't want to play these games either they just want to get their work in and get to the real game so if he doesn't have to uh do these uh, at bats and long at bats that for games that don't matter he's just trying to get his swing right he's just trying to get his mentality right and that's all spring training should be about it shouldn't be about oh man i need to you know, I got hit by the pitch, but I want to stay in here and get some more swings in. No, these guys are done. Like right now, like Yasmani Grandal said it pretty much at the beginning of the uh, spring training camp. He's like, you know what? If I can just skip all this running and stuff and all this conditioning and get to some games, I'm down. It's way too long. I mean, baseball doesn't take that long for the position players to get ready. It's mostly for the pitchers to ramp up. You mentioned Grandal just real quick before we wrap things up here. That's that's the end of the mailbag. I, we got to get more submissions for next week. Hit us up, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Again, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Doesn't have to be a baseball question. Could be a life question. Could be a, an attire question like our man Jeff uh, asked us about. But the whole thing with Grandal, you know, we got a hit today, and that was nice. But, you know, last week we talked about how – he said his 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 leg was numb and and that was not a good thing because you can't feel your leg. Uh, you're we're hoping to get some pain back into that because then you know everything's flowing like it's supposed to and you know it feels more natural. But then I read again today that he's back to not feeling his leg as he was running to second base on his RBI double. And then I read earlier this weekend how a possible timeline for an injury like this could be eight weeks him being out. Ugh. I don't like where this is heading. No, it's not great. I just think he's playing. I h- hope he's just playing like, hey, man, I'm hurt. I can't feel my leg. Everything's wrong. And then he like gets to sit out the last two weeks of spring training because he's tired of this, this bore- boring yeah. shit and gets to the March 26th. He's like, all right, I'm feeling my legs. Blood's flowing perfectly. 
Yeah, it, all it seems, happened. It all seems Let's very go. weird, you know. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe I, this is the. I mean, he's been on a bunch of teams. Yeah. With a guy that has that much skill, he must have something that's finicky about him, and it's like that's uh, rubbing the what is he on Cincinnati on the Padres on the Dodgers on the Brewers. He's been yeah. on a bunch of teams for a guy that's now what twenty eight, twenty nine, yeah. or thirty something like that, and pretty good uh, backstop and hitter. So. There's probably some some uh, red ass in there. There's probably some AJ in there that you know rubs some of the people wrong. And this just reminds me, maybe he's a difficult person to get along with because the medicals, the 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 doctors and the trainers, like the guy's fine. Yeah, he should have this natural thing. Yeah, he plays fine. Yeah, he plays at least 130 games a year every year uh, since he's been an established player. So. Again, uh, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm too worried about this, especially as he's starting to get into game action, starting to hit a little bit, and we'll see where it goes from here. Um, a quick uh, thing to look out for, quick tease here. So the Locked On MLB Network uh, here, the Locked On Podcast Network, has asked us to do um, sort of division rival previews uh, for the season. So the, with the Locked On Twins, Locked On Tigers, Locked On Royals podcast. Well, I just want to whoop them every time playing. Even in the podcast where we want to whoop them. Is that a, a Locked On Indians? Um, so we're going to do like crossover. It's like Jetsons meet the Flintstones. So we'll look for those uh, opening week or leading up to opening week. We're going to start to iron out our schedules for those. So maybe if you got a question for any of those guys and those teams, you can hit us up uh, on LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. I don't know what we're going to talk about the Locked On podcast, uh, Locked On Tigers podcast with. You know, I don't know what we're going to talk about there other than Miguel Cabrera. Um, you know, like, why do you guys suck so much? <laughs> yeah, when, how long, is this going to be the per- perpetual rebuild? This is going to be the forever rebuild uh, with you guys? So Let's see, like, we start, we're supposed to start with the uh, Royals people okay. and then go to the Twins, so the two people I hate the most, <laughs> uh, two teams I hate the most, and then we move on to the, the toilet and then finish <laughs> off on Friday, supposedly, with the Windians. All right, so be on the lookout for those. I think that's all we've got tonight for the Mailbag Monday edition. Thank you for listening to the Mailbag Monday edition of Locked on White Sox. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on MLB. Was checking those guys out earlier, Locked on MLB. They were talking about the Yohan Moncada extension. Big news in MLB this week. Of course, everyone wants to talk about the White Sox as the times we live in. But check them out. Lots of great baseball content there. Anything that's going on in the league is going on on Locked on MLB. Thank you. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys later in the week.